Mihinuiki Koto Katoa. I'm Sue Berman and this is Kurututuru, Real Gold, a podcast that explores Tonga from our Auckland Library's heritage collections. Today I'm at Tamaki Pataka Korero, the Central City Library, in the Level 2 Reading Room, meeting with Sharon Smith, Senior Librarian Community Archives, who's put together a case for your summer viewing. Kia ora Sharon, thanks for meeting with me today. Um, I always really love these chats because they bring to life such a variety of, of rich content. So um, yeah, what are we looking at here today? Kia ora Sue, tēnā koutou katoa. Um, today we are looking at a case that uh, focuses on uh, Jack Diamond or JT Diamond and his interest and um, interactions with different parts of the Waitakere ranges, including the coastal areas. Mm. So I've started off here today with a really beautiful image of Niho Tupu Falls in Huia. This was taken in the 1890s mm. and the photographer was Ernest Charles Binns. And I just love it because it really sets the scene for the serenity and the beauty of the Waitakere ranges. And uh, yeah, you can almost hear the rain, the water coming down the waterfall. Yeah, yeah. and feel the lushness of it. It's a very life-infirming photo, despite the fact it's obviously black and white, taken that long ago, but life is really brimming from it, isn't it? Yes, it's really lovely. Unfortunately, it's since been destroyed by the Lower New Tupu Dam. <laughs> yeah, which is really so we can't go to see this in actual here. fact. No, but I believe that nature will win in the end <laughs> when all the humans are dead, and it'll come back. It'll come back. <laughs> oh, that's that is that is fascinating, um, and and kind of really a, a quite a nod, isn't it, to Jack Diamond and his collecting that he was he was curious about documenting the ranges um, in and around human development too, around mm. industry. Yes, quite mm. right. Which, um, which sort of is documented mm. a little bit in this photo. Yes, so the next image we have here is of the Mill Bunkhouse above the Glen Esk Falls. This photograph was taken by Albert Percy Godber in 1916 and it shows one of the very early um, places where the mill workers would have stayed while they were involved in milling uh, kauri in the Waitakere Ranges. It was a huge industry mm. and lasted for quite a long time. So many of these huts were sprung up around the place for mill workers and uh, this is a lovely photograph with lots of rich detail. Yeah, I was going to say, I can see a couple of women in there. Mm. Yes, so maybe families lived there or maybe they were cooks, I don't know. I'm not too sure what the... This, this woman here mm. looks like a like a proper lady. Yes. She's got the whole the whole hat and business and mm. well, maybe <laughs> she was doing the accounts or was a businesswoman, who knows? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, so you can see already the kind of um the bush being the bush being cut. And that, that dwelling is really fascinating, isn't it? It's just sort of made out of logs. Yes, I think a lot of the early huts were made out of slab, cowrie slab. Um, boards mm. so yeah, quite often they were quite wide boards. This is quite interesting because when Jack Diamond was young him and his friends would um, often visit the beaches of the west coast. Uh, he spent time with his friends Tom, Bill and Brian and Fred uh, in the 1920s they'd bike out from town and uh, in one of his uh, writings that we've got in the collection he notes that we always slept in one of the many mill shacks that were scattered throughout Bethel's 
Anafata, Piha and Karikari areas. As an amateur historian and archaeologist, Jack Diamond devoted over 60 years of his life to building this collection. Uh, this is the JT Diamond Collection. His work provides a complete record of the region's heavy clay and pottery industries between 1940 and 1980, mm. and the most significant documentary record of the Kauri timber industry in the Waitakere Ranges between 1830 and 1940. And he's got a connection with the Auckland Tramping Club as well, so when he was an adult he, he joined the Auckland Tramping Club on the 1st of November in 1933. <laughs> How do we know that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is, uh, we have a wonderful collection, the Auckland Tramping Club collection held here uh, in the Central Library and uh, in the Minute Books, uh, we can find that information there. Amazing. Uh, early on, we can see that he held the position of equipment officer and later as tour officer. Hmm. And uh, this item we have here is a list. So this is December, which is the month after he joined, 1933. There's a list of walks. There was a publication put out by the Tramping Club called The Hobo and it primarily started off as a list of walk, walks available for the next month. Over time it grew and they began to add more information and it eventually ended up um, being replaced by the club magazine Wonderlust which also contains so much information about the club and, mm. and different things, it's wonderful. Um, so uh, we can see there's a few things you can choose from here, you could go to the clubhouse Ngaro Te Kotari, uh, the, the club had their own hut. Um, there's lots of different walks here in the Waitakere Ranges and around the Otea. week yes. in December. Yeah, well, the club became really busy um, at one stage. And then they've got their um, annual trip, which is usually further afield as well. So um, the club you know, always had a great love of the Waitakere Ranges, mm. of course. Um, outside of the club, Jack Diamond was involved in efforts to protect the Waitakere Ranges long term for future generations as well. But we can see an, an example of the club's uh, interest in um, the environment of the Waitakere's. In June 1944, the Tramping Club magazine Wanderlust reports on an interesting talk given at the Auckland Tramping Club by a Mr Mead concerning the potential for establishing a large reserve in the Waitakere Ranges. Mm. I might just read a little bit yeah, from that. Great. Possibilities of the Centennial Park. Mr Mead's interesting talk last Friday club night gave us a new slant on what the future may hold for the Waitakere's. As a group vitally interested in the preservation of bush areas, we already realise our debt to the Centennial Park Board. As an instance, we have Walker's Bush, a lovely bush-covered hillside containing some fine cowries and giving access to a stream. If the Centennial Park Board had not purchased this a year or two ago, it is quite probable that by now this land would have been cleared, perhaps to be farmed, perhaps to go back to a bracken-covered waste such as comprises large areas of these hills. But Mr Mead's picture of various areas linked up to form an extensive park, whose bush will be safe from the axe, a park with tracks, Lookouts and hostels will probably come to pass as Auckland grows to a larger city with the Waitakere's as its nearest playground. Hmm. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was quite an interesting find, that one. Indeed. Gosh, the, the, sometimes these um, you know, local community group type um, newsletters hold incredible 
levels of information, don't they? From like what you were saying, the dates of knowing when, when Jack became a member to to these lovely reportings. Mm. I love it's called the official organ of the Auckland mm. Tracting Club. It's such an oldie, oldie way of describing a publication. Yes, and the, the club has been able to consistently produce the magazine. They haven't missed a, a single issue. Yeah, it's well, quite amazing. Still in existence? Yeah, yep, still going. This is the club, yep. Fantastic. Um, so, as I mentioned before, outside of the club, Jack Diamond was involved in efforts to protect the Waitakere Rangers. Um, in 2002, the, the Tramping Club manuscript collection was donated to us, and these are the minute books from 1928 to 1975 that I alluded to earlier. Uh, and looking at these, we can see that on the May the 20th of 1969, Jack's recorded in the meeting minutes as acting on a scheme for the promotion of the preservation of the Waitakere Ranges. And these last items here are some correspondence which is um, from the JT Diamond West Auckland History Collection, which has incidentally been inscribed into the UNESCO Memory of the World, Aotearoa New Zealand. Um, so this correspondence gives us an insight into his attention to detail regarding the correct use of place names and spelling and its importance for use in the official record. Mm. And um, so the, he's obviously he's received a letter from the Waitakere Rangers Protection Society, uh, March 20th, 1976, and they are sending him a letter to thank him for joining the society and how pleased they are that somebody with his knowledge in the Waitakere's and with such a long-standing interest in the area has joined them. They are also uh, interested in him assisting with the submissions that they're going to be like making in the near future mm. regarding naming of places. So yeah, they're wanting to work with him on that. And there's a reply from him on the 28th of March, uh, where he covers quite a few different subjects and yes, is very passionate about the need to get the naming correct. Um, and also he mentions Tehinga should be the official name for Bethel's and there's some things there that still need to be discussed by the looks of it. Um, and I'll just read out one of the last place uh, passages here. Which is another problem is the correct spelling of the Māori names, which are more often than not misspelled. My Māori friends are willing to help with these, but the question is, will the public accept the correct Māori spelling? For example, Te Ahua, not Te Ahuahu, Te Waha Point, not Te Wahia Point, and Kita Kita Falls, not Kete Kete Falls. Mm. However, if we can get as many names of features settled in the process of submitting these to the Geographical Board for the confirmation, then they can be started. Yeah, and on it goes. I mean, we've just yes. had another round of place naming um, conversations through Council and Te Kite Rukuruku, so um, interesting. These these correspondence date back to 1976, which is actually mm. over 40 years ago now. Mm. More work to be done. Yeah. Oh. Well, brilliant. Thank you so much for um, for bringing this content to life in the, in the case and, and people of course are invited to come to to view the case themselves here um, at the Central City Library and quite a lot of the diamond collection is also described 
um, for people to be able to access it on Kura Heritage Collections online, is that? Yes, that's right. Uh, if you'd like to have a look at the originals uh, of the collection, you could contact Research West and, and go in and see them. Right, and Henderson. And for the Tramping Club records, they are held here at the Central City Library yes. collections? Yes, we have the minute books and we have an incredibly large selection of beautiful photographs, including lantern slides on, on our database Kura. So they're well worth wading through and just wondering oh. about. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, it's so it's so magical seeing some of the images of the past. Um, give give us some potential imaginings for the future, <laughs> the post-apocalyptic <laughs> future, according to Sharon Smith. But no, um, seriously, the other th link I wanted to make for listeners was around the Jack Diamond collection broadly. Um, as you mentioned, UNESCO Memory of the World, but also if they want to know more about it, they can go to Auckland Library's YouTube and have a... A look at the NACO, the Collections Talk episode that um, that features the JT Diamond collection and his documenting of the West. So much summer listening, summer viewing for people, and um, thank you very much and happy tramping. Thank you, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Sue. <laughs>